Welcome to the Transparency Project on the Inside Lens Network, with programming dedicated to bringing attention to unsolved homicides and suspicious deaths. If you have a question or comment for today's guests, please call in at 646-478-0982. That's 646-478-0982. My name is Denny Griffin, and my co-host Elilah Jones is away for the day, so I'm flying solo. On October 3, 2016, the Walker County, Georgia Sheriff's Office dispatched a unit to 862 Nick Ajack Road in Flintstone, Georgia, regarding an attempted suicide. Upon arrival, the deputy found 27-year-old Don D.J. Fickey, deceased, sitting on a love seat in the living room of his friend's home from an apparent self-inflicted shotgun wound. According to the one witness who gave a statement that day, Fickey had allegedly been arguing with his wife just prior to the incident. A clear case of suicide, according to the authorities. Not so fast, says DJ's family. They have a strong case consisting of witnesses and other evidence that DJ was murdered. DJ's sister, Amanda Shirley, is here to discuss the case and what the family is doing to get justice. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, let's begin, if you, if we can, uh Having you tell us about your brother, uh, what was going on in his life, uh, his wife and uh, children and so forth. Well, DJ, DJ was a really fun-loving guy. He was the jokester of the family. He was always, he was always in a good mood. It was his, it was like it was his job to make you in a good mood. If you were having a bad day, it was DJ's job to get you out of that mood and make sure you were in a good mood. Um, him and his wife had only been married for two years. They had met, they had knew each other from previous high school, you know, and everything. They just crossed paths again. Um, they had, like I said, they had been married for two years. They, they were on again, off again. Brandy, his wife, had a uh, had a drug problem, and she would be with DJ for up to a month, and then she would leave DJ to go and get high, basically. And DJ loved loved Brandy. He loved her with everything he had in her. He would constantly be trying to get his his life back together and get his wife back, you know, and work things out. He would follow her to the edge of the world. Um, they had three children. Uh, when he got killed, he had a little boy that was two, and a set of twin girls that were a year old. And he loved them with everything he had in him as well. He just he just was, wanted his life and his family together. Was was Brandy the mother of all three children? Yes. Okay. Uh, you say that she had a, a drug issue and would uh, take off periodically, apparently, to, to get high. Uh, when she did these things, about how long would she be gone? Would she be gone a day or a week or what? Um, it would be anywhere from a couple of days to a couple of weeks. But while she was okay. gone, she would while she was gone, she would always be at the same place, and my brother would end up being there trying to talk her into coming back home. 
what place was it? Was it a friend's place or? It was a friend's place. It was uh, one of his friends <clears throat> that he had introduced her to. And after they he had introduced them to him, there was always multiple people living at this place. You would actually call it a drug den, I guess is what you would call it. She would she had met someone there that she was actually having a relationship with when she wasn't with my brother. And they were all mutual friends at one time. Uh, was your brother aware of the sexual relationship that was going on? Yes, he was aware of it. <clears throat> but he loved her enough that he was willing to overlook that and take her back. Oh, yeah. He, he didn't care his, as long as he had her back and his family together. That's all that he, he worried about. Um, so this was the location that your brother was found deceased at this location where uh, Randy always went? Yes. Okay. Uh, now, the friend, the one that actually uh, owned that uh, that address, the location, um, was he a dealer or a user, do you know, or both? He wasn't actually the one that owned the address, that owned the property there. He was just staying at the property. Um, and yes, okay. yes, he was he was a drug dealer. He was I would say he was the ringleader of the of it. So, uh, about how many times do you think Brandy left DJ uh, to go to this uh, this drug den? I'm going to refer to it as a drug den. Oh, oh God. Um, I I couldn't say. More than fifteen times, and and that's in a couple of year period, right? Yeah, it was within a, a little over a year's time frame. Okay, now uh, that means roughly that like almost every other week or so, she would uh, she basically would take off. Once a, yeah, basically about once a month for about two weeks at a time was the given time frame. Now, when uh, when DJ would would go to that location, uh, obviously he knew where to find her. Uh, how was he received there? Was he like the enemy when he came in, or did they welcome him in, or what was the what was the relationship with the other people that stayed at this place? DJ was actually welcomed there. DJ was, like I said, DJ was friends with the owner of the property before he even met Brandy. So everyone else welcomed him there. The uh, person, the friend, person of interest that was staying there, of course, with there being a love triangle there, they didn't get along very well at all. There was multiple occasions a week prior to his shooting that him, my brother, and the friend, I guess I, I don't like calling him a friend, <laughs> um, uh, they had got into a fight with ball bats, and then there was another occasion where the person of interest had actually pulled a knife to my brother's to put it to his throat when he got out of the shower. I mean, there was constantly something going on between them, but it increasingly got worse up to the day he was shot. So the other people at the place he 
your brother was uh, got along with okay. It was this one uh, we'll call person of interest. Uh, that that was the guy he was having issues with. Yes. Okay. Now, did your brother work? He worked off and on. He was mostly worried about his wife, you know, his wife back, you know, getting his wife back. He put all his time and efforts into that. Uh, and obviously, Brandy was not working. Uh, she she couldn't have held a job, I don't think. No, no. Okay. Uh, when during these uh, these trips, uh, Brandy would would make to this uh, other location, the drug den. Uh, the children, I, I, I assume, were left with DJ. They were with DJ and my mother. My mother eventually got custody of the children. Uh, a legal custody, or just taking care yes, of legal them? custody. Legal custody. Uh, and on October third of twenty sixteen, your mother was watching the children DJ didn't take them with him to that place yes my mother had had the children and it happened in Georgia and we live in Alabama so it's about a 45 minute drive from where we live to the location DJ was at okay now we're the person we're calling a person of interest uh, you say there had been altercations between DJ and this individual on prior occasions. Were the police ever called to any of these uh, things? No, that's the last thing they wanted there was the police there. <laughs> yeah, I can understand if it was a drug house. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the police had sense. been there multiple, multiple times, but on these occasions they wasn't called. Okay, so they had been there on other matters, but not anything Drug to do bus, with uh, <laughs> okay but but that location had a history as far as the police were concerned right oh yes they have a history with everyone in the surrounding areas they know what it is okay did your brother use drugs that you're aware of yes he did he, he used drugs um he didn't have a drug problem until he met brandy he has, he smoked the occasional marijuana, but until he met Brandy, he didn't have a, a bad drug problem. Um, I think that with all the things he went through with his wife, that it made the drug problem worse. But he was also he had also went to rehab just recently before he got killed. He was he didn't want that lifestyle. He he wanted his, a better life for him and his kids and his family, and he was trying to get clean. But of course. Being with someone that doesn't want to get clean, it's hard to do. Yeah, and uh, now Brandy, I assume, was not taking any type of counseling or treatment. No, she didn't want any help. Okay, and they were roughly the same age. She would have been in her mid-20s or so? Yes. Okay. Uh when did you last see your brother, and where where did you see him at? I seen him the last week of August of 2016. It was the week of him and his wife's anniversary, actually, and he was at my mom's. He was staying; they were staying at my mom's at the time, and that's the last time I seen him. So that was a little over a month then before the uh, 
before he was killed? Yeah. Okay. What uh, when you saw him and and Brandy? Uh, what was their relationship like at that point? Was everything going smooth? Yes, everything was actually going really good at that time, which is awkward because DJ and Brandy fought constantly. They would be together, like I said, you know, she would take off and go get high. Then she, for a few weeks, she would come back home. She would be home for about a week, and everything would be good. They would get along great. And then I guess when the withdrawal started kicking in, she would get moody and irritable and they would start bickering and arguing and fussing and she would take off again. But that week that I seen him, like I said, it was the week of their anniversary. They were getting along great. They were, they were getting along great. They were making plans to do things for their anniversary. I mean, he was in a great mood. He was always in a great mood. (laughs) Yeah. Did, um, after that, did you talk with him on the phone or anything, or was that your last contact with him? That was my last contact with him. He had tried calling me on September the 14th about 3.30 in the morning and left me a voicemail telling me that she was back with a person of interest, that he was going to try to find him somewhere else to go, that he didn't know what was going on, and that he just wanted me to have that information just in case I needed it. My brother never told me where he was going or where he was at or anything else in 27 years. So I don't understand why he felt the need to tell me that that night. Uh, now I kind did of your mom, <laughs> I, Yeah, did your mom, uh, obviously she saw him uh, after that, uh, that end of August deal. Uh, did she tell you anything like he was having mood changes or that there was anything going on no nothing no different than usual DJ was the same I mean of course anybody that's watching their wife have an affair and on drugs you know spiraling out of control they're gonna they're gonna be worried and concerned but as far as depressed he wasn't depressed and you say the, uh, the the person of interest uh, was the one statement that the police obtained witness statement uh, regarding that night, and that individual indicated that there had been uh, an argument or arguing going on between uh, your brother and Brandy, which uh, you know, as you were saying, is not un- was not uncommon. They apparently argued uh, argued frequently, so. What is your understanding of what transpired on October 3rd, 2016? Is that the day your brother went to this location, or had he been there and stayed overnight? He had, or? He had been there since at least September the 18th of 2016. So he had been there a couple of weeks. Um, within those couple of weeks, like I said, that's when the altercations had it happened with the person of interest and my brother with the ball bat. And my brother actually knocked one of his teeth out, the person of interest teeth out. The person of interest came inside all bloodied up from losing his tooth and made the remark to someone staying at the home that he was going to kill him. And that person was a witness and after the fact and stated that she knew when he said that that he, he was talking about DJ. 
then there was another altercation where he put a knife to DJ's throat when he got out of the shower. And so there were many altercations that led up to the day that he was shot. Um, the day he was shot, I, my brother was actually texting my mother while he was when he was shot. And what did that text consist of? Did your mom tell you? <laughs> yes, I have the text messages. Um, my brother texted my mom and told him that he needed her to come get him now, that his life depended on it. And my mom asked him what was going on, if him and the person of interest were into it. And my brother replied back with, we was. And then my mom asked if it was over Brandy, and he replied back, yeah. And my mom had just found out a couple weeks prior that she only had 20% of her heart working and that she needed to stay out of a stress-free environment, you know. She needed to stay out of stress, not be upset or anything like that. And with, like I said, with them arguing all the time, it was hard to be stress-free with DJ and Brandy around. So my mom was trying to get him to understand that she couldn't, you know, they couldn't come back to her house because she couldn't take the stress. And he continued on with that his life depended on it, that he was going to, like I said, he was going to end up dead there. Um, He had to get out of there to save their life. He had also been texting my cousin at the exact same time, telling her that he needed to get out of there, that his life depended on it, that him and Mark were trying to kill each other. So uh, the last text message that was sent to my mom was at 109, and at 111, was called by the person of interest stating that there was a suicide. Um, so over this a couple of week period that your brother had been at this location uh, on the most recent time, uh, just prior to his, uh, to his death, there were multiple altercations with the person of interest, and they uh, apparently were deteriorating or getting more violent, maybe is a better uh, yes. uh, description. Yes. It was over Brandy because your brother was there trying to get her back home, and yes. this and person, person of interest, interest was... He was jealous. He was. He didn't even want these and Brandy talking to one another. He was obsessed with Brandy. Uh, now... If you're so inclined, I'm curious to what you think actually went down. The, the police uh, determined this was your brother's death was a suicide. Uh, what do you think happened? I know it wasn't a suicide. The The investigation was, if you want to call it that, wasn't a very good investigation off the, from the start. They, uh, they It was called in as, as a suicide. Um, as soon as 911 was called by the person of interest, he was making it all about him. It wasn't about the victim. It wasn't about DJ. It was about him. Um, he tried to get the gun away from DJ. Um, he picked the gun up to see what the gun was, and it was a 12-gauge shotgun. Um, his wife thinks I shot him. I mean, just all these things, it was about him. It wasn't about, you know, the victim. 911 actually told him to pick the gun up and move it 
out of the way. He told 911 that this, this shotgun was laying in my brother's lap. Well, for one, a shotgun, if you shoot yourself, a shotgun is not going to just calmly lay itself in your in your lap. It's going to recoil across the room. But 911 told him to pick the gun up and move it out of the way. So there's that. Once the detectives showed up, the police, or once the police arrived, they said that the person of interest met them at their car with a spent shotgun shell. Um. Then the officer went inside and moved the gun again to an outside table. When the investigators arrived, they got the witness or they got a statement from the person of interest who said that he shot himself and they went with that and ran. They didn't they didn't do any kind of testing, they didn't do any kind of investigating, they didn't rope off the scene, they didn't treat it like anything other than a suicide. Did did they uh, take pictures uh, that you're aware of? Yes, they they did take pictures. And have you had access to those or no? I have access to them. I have them. I've not looked at any. I've, I've looked at all of them, but the ones of my brother, I don't want to see those. But my husband has looked at them, and my private investigator has looked at them. And that's that's another thing that is off. They actually took pictures of a garbage can that had bloodied galls in it, but they didn't take those galls into evidence to see whose blood it belonged to. And from what I've been told from the crime scene, there is not a significant amount of blood kind of shot. My brother was shot... I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just wanted the death certificate for your brother. Does that show suicide as the manner of death? Yes. The My brother was actually sent for, for an autopsy the day that it happened because my mom told him that this wasn't a suicide. And she told the police that right up front? I mean, right, right at the time? She told the, she told the coroner that that it wasn't a suicide and he sent DJ for an autopsy and gave the medical examiner the information that there was a witness that seen him shoot himself, which was the person of interest and that the gun was taken out of DJ's hand when officers arrived, which that is not true whatsoever. We have two different things documenting that. We have the police investigation as well as the 911 call knowing the gun was not in DJ's hand. So the uh, medical examiner ruled the death as suicide based on the information she was provided that day. I just want to make sure I have this right. The person of interest made the call to 911 uh, yes. stating there was a suicide or an attempted suicide. And the 911 dispatcher advised him at that point to remove the shotgun from uh, yes, allegedly from DJ's lap. Right. So he did that based on the instructions of the nine one one dispatcher. Uh, have you uh, or anyone uh, working on your behalf? ever questioned that as far as a policy or procedure goes? I, I, I'm i trying to uh, 
think where the dispatcher got the idea to do that. I don't know if there's some kind of a written policy at the Walker County Sheriff's Office or or why the dispatcher would have issued those instructions. Have, have you found uh, out or been able to learn? They won't. They won't. They won't talk to us. This throughout the investigation, it was damn near impossible to get anyone to call us or tell us anything. They would always tell us they couldn't give us any information on an ongoing investigation or an open investigation. They lied to us so many times. They told us that the gun had actually been fingerprinted, and it never was. It still hasn't to this day. It's never been fingerprinted. Um, I mean, just Who, anything that they told us, the detectives working the case is the ones that did this. They, the sheriff, uh, the police what, still have... Sheriff, Yes, the police still have this gun. Um, we're working on getting custody of it. My private investigator is working on getting custody of it. Um, the sheriff of this county has yet to talk to us, even to this day, no matter how many calls or emails we have sent, even visits to go down there to talk to him, he's yet to talk to us. He will not talk to us. We tried talking to him several times about how they were handling the case, and he won't see us. Now, how did you learn about DJ's death? Did the police call you? Did your mom call you? My mom called me and told me about it, and she wasn't called until an, uh, at least an hour after it happened. And it wasn't even the police or coroner or anybody else that had called and told her. It was one of the people that lived in the uh, the house there at the location. So... Neither one of you ever got a notification directly from the police? No, nobody got a notification from the police. Now, you, uh, so this was ruled a suicide. What is the status now? Is it a closed case or an open case? Uh, I would assume they could have closed the case as a suicide, did they? They Yes, they actually did. It was presented to the DA, and the DA concluded it was a suicide based on the autopsy report that it was a suicide and put it in a pending status. And as long as it was in a pending status, I knew that I couldn't get any of the police reports or any information. Case closed, so I could get all the information because in order to do anything about it, I knew I had to have the information. So as of right now... The case is closed, uh, officially this is closed, and there's not uh, an investigation by either the police or the district attorney? No. Okay. Uh, and the DA based his decision on the autopsy, and the autopsy or the, the coroner or medical examiner made their decision based in part on the statement of the person of interest. Yes, information they received the day of the shooting. And after that, there was so much information brought in that came to surface that all points to nothing other than a suicide. I mean, <laughs> there's just so much evidence there. Uh, now, you you say you uh, have a private investigator uh, working on your behalf. What what does your investigator think uh, the situation is now as far as um, – it, it sounds like you've got a large volume of evidence, but I wonder what your investigator thinks. 
Well, my investigator, when he first took the case, he before he even took the case, he just wanted to look over the, he wanted to look over everything I had, without me giving him my opinion of what happened. So that's what I did. I sent him everything, and he looked over it, and he contacted me, and he told me that with one hundred percent certainty that he knew that this was not a suicide. And. Even though you have this uh, information in your investigator's report and, and conclusion, uh, you still can't get the police to look at it or uh, or you can't meet the police, with them? They don't want to... Well, the police or the detectives, we actually have talked, the private investigator has talked to the detective that he thinks that this was a homicide and not a suicide, but he can't go against the DA's ruling and what he feels you know like needs to be done in other words they won't question the da whatever the da says goes uh do you do you believe that's true or or no i believe in this county yes i believe that's true um if you had if you go higher up on the ladder then i would uh, think that the da has to answer to someone but in apparently in georgia no one does any nobody does that that's every every time you call someone or speak to someone they don't have anything to do with that and, and <laughs> if no he 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 has to answer to somebody the governor the attorney general somebody but every time you Did, every time I've called them they say that they don't have anything to do with that I'm curious as to what's happened with Brandy now your your mother had and I assume still has custody of the children so yes. uh, have you kept in touch with Brandy at all since this happened? Yes, I've stayed in contact with Brandy. Brandy actually got arrested on other charges about a month after DJ was killed, and she has been incarcerated since then, ever since then. Um, Brandy, Brandy actually came back the day after the shooting and investigated what actually happened. And one of the other witnesses a few months into the investigation that was saying that it was an accident came back and told the exact same story that Brandy had stated. And what did Brandy say happened? Brandy said that DJ was sitting on the couch texting his mom that he had came into the bathroom where she was at to uh, tell her that they were leaving to go back to my mom's house. And he went back in there and sat down on the couch she walked out of the bathroom to come in there with him. She saw the person of interest walk out of the door behind DJ with a gun. He pointed it at DJ and shot him. Uh, DJ was right-handed. Brand- Let me make this a big. This is a big point. Also, DJ was right-handed, Sorry. but he was shot in the left cheek at a downward front-to-back, left-to-right angle with a shotgun. Now, Brandy, and you say another witness came forward also and and basically uh, substantiated Brandy's version of things. Uh, Yes. And the police are aware of this, and they still haven't done anything. Yes, Yes, they are aware of it. The person of interest failed a polygraph test. He also failed a reenactment of how he said the shooting occurred. The polygraph examiner said that there was no way that the shooting occurred the way he said it did. Um, there's just so much evidence, and they don't care. They've just written him off as another drug addict off the street. 
Now, I'm the district attorney then, or the district attorney's office is apparently, uh, according to the detective, uh, is the stumbling block here. Uh, yes. Did, did they convene a grand jury that you're aware of? No, not that I'm aware of. Uh, and if you, uh, you you say the police won't talk to you, the same thing with the district attorney, they won't uh, communicate with you either? No. No, they won't call back my private investigator. They won't call us back. They won't email us back. They won't uh, make any comment with media or anyone else. If you have, you have had some media contacts, I believe. Uh, oh, yes, do you I have an investigative <laughs> Do you have an investigative reporter type that's looking into this or no? Um, not yet. We're working up to that. Um, I've got a lot of things coming up that I can't be let known yet um, as requested by the people that are doing it. But it's some really big, I'll just say it's some really big names. <laughs> Good. Uh yeah, this is hard for me. I don't know about any of the other listeners, but it's hard for me to get my head around situations like yours uh, because they just seem so out of whack. You know what I mean? When you when you got some some evidence uh, that that seems to be credible and substantial, and you can't get anybody to uh, to do anything Listen. with it, any anybody. Yeah. That, uh, it's just mind-boggling. So, another point I would like to make, Benny, is the during the whole invest, time of the investigation, which was six months, the detectives had no contact whatsoever with the medical examiner. Anytime new evidence came in, as as in the poly, failed polygraph test, the fact that Brandy told them what happened. The fact that the other witness came back and told them what happened, they never had any contact with the medical examiner whatsoever, none. They never spoke to the medical examiner throughout the whole investigation. The medical examiner has never been aware of what happened. All she knows is what was told to her the day that DJ was sent down there for autopsy. They never kept in touch with her or contacted her whatsoever. Well, again, you say you have some things you can't discuss at this point because they're uh you know plans for for right. for trying to move the case forward. Uh, but I I must say it sounds like you're very efficient. Uh, you seem to have uh, documented what you need to. You say you have the text messages that uh that your brother was uh, engaging in in your mother with at at the time of his uh, of the shooting. Uh, yes. I'm just curious if you ever contemplated a wrongful death lawsuit to to get some of these people in under uh, oath, under deposition. Um, not yet. That's okay. Not yet. <laughs> in 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 your in your state, uh, that's probably a two-year statute of limitations. So you're yes. you're running Coming close. close. Well, you what about a year and a half in now? Uh, I I just uh, want to mention because it's it's something that in cases your case and similar cases 
uh, one of the things we're trying to do through the transparency project is get legislation passed in various states that would extend the uh, the statute of limitations for wrongful death uh, actions in certain and cases. And I agree with that. I agree with that 100% yeah, I, because just to make a point, had we thought my brother had killed himself and there was an investigation done, this is a different. This is not the case, but just an example. If we did think he had killed himself and the police thought otherwise and did an investigation, it could have been a year. It could have been two years before that investigation was over, and they came back and told us, you know, Miss Miss Vicky, Miss Shirley, your your brother didn't kill himself. He was killed. Well, then there the time's up. What are you supposed to do in a case like that? Uh, absolutely, and and it's very frustrating. Let, let me just, uh, if if I can, what I'm doing in uh, New York State here, where I am, I am, in fact, Judy Rush. She's the mother of a of a deceased soldier from uh, Watertown, New York, under suspicious circumstances, and. That's a 2007 case. We are going to meet with the local assemblywoman on June 29th to push for legislation to be introduced patterned after Molly's law in Illinois, which uh, uh, Molly was uh, was deceased and her dad is... Uh, is right on top of things there, and he, in fact, got Molly's law passed. What it does, it extends its statute of limitations, as I mentioned, from two to five years, extended it, it's already passed. Uh, and it also addresses the Freedom of Information Act, which uh, in, in each state, it might be called something different, like Sunshine Law or Open Records Law or something, but uh, this, this attempt to get records Police agencies can routinely say, oh, that's an open case. We can't talk with you. We can't share anything with you. Yes. And Molly's Law, uh, well, it's companion legislation to Molly's Law, it requires that if the request for records is denied, you can appeal to the attorney general. They will review the case and It'll, the onus is on the agency that declined your request. Usually it'll be a police agency or a medical examiner. And they not only have to prove the case is open, but they have to prove it's active. So it can't be sitting right. on a shelf somewhere. They actually got to be doing interviews. And, and if, if they can't substantiate that, the attorney general can order them to release the information, which is... Uh, which is a great thing. And the the final thing that Larry Young told me, and I hadn't picked up on it initially, is that also in that legislation is that if a person is arrested and goes to trial, one year, up to up to one year, after the trial is over, within it doesn't matter what the verdict is. It can be guilty or not guilty. That makes no difference. The family has a year from the end of the trial to file the wrongful death lawsuit. So if if an arrest isn't made and a trial doesn't take place for four or five or six or ten years, it doesn't matter. They still have one year after that trial ends 
to file their uh, wrongful death lawsuit. So, I mean, that could potentially extend uh, their their ability up to, you know, who knows how many years because it's after the trial, right. uh, uh, not after the death. So uh, those are very important things. And I uh, obviously Larry Young had success in Illinois. Uh, I'm going to keep everyone posted on how things go in New York and maybe – we could get something going. Uh, of course, we got to do it state by state because everybody has their own deal. But uh, right. I think it's critical to protect the rights of the of the survivors uh, that they don't get it. Uh, they don't have that protection in most cases today. So uh, anyway, yeah, I'm we don't have anything we'll like that in Georgia. There's nothing like that's that in Georgia. So I think it should be passed in every state. Well, I agree with you, and let's let's hope we get a movement started in that direction because it needs to be done. Uh, now, I, I, again, I'm not going to ask you what what you have in the oven here, but uh, what do you think the chances are that uh, your efforts are going to be successful? And I, I assume what you want is the case reopened as a homicide investigation, and hopefully someone held accountable. Uh, yes. What do you think your chances of getting that done are? I have I have faith that it'll get done. I have a lot of get done. I know it'll get done because I'm not going away. I'm not going to stop, and I have a good team behind me and a lot of support behind me. It may not take, it may not get done in the time frame that I would like for it to, but I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up, and I'll 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 pursue this till the day I die if I have to. And I assume your mom—I know you said your mom needs to be uh, kept out of stressful situations, but um, yes. do you have the support of your mom and the rest of your family for what you're doing? Do, are they backing oh, yes. you? Oh yes, one hundred percent. I just would like to say, with my mom's health, I try to keep her out of the media and because it's it's killing her. Her health has deteriorated just so much since this has happened. And it's even started to affect my health dramatically now. So I try to keep her out of the media. And there's a lot of things that I don't tell her because it just hurts her more. There's a lot of details of the case itself as far as my brother's death that she's not aware of. And I hate to be that way, but she just she don't need to know it <laughs> because it only hurts yeah. her worse. Now, uh, how is she able to, to take care of the kids? All right, or she got help doing that, or what? She she's able to take care of them, and she has my older sister that lives with her, so she's helping her a lot too. Oh, thank God for that, huh? Yes, and luckily uh, I live just next door to her so you know if my sister was busy or anything had to go somewhere i'm right here so but my mom's able to take care of them they actually keep her going that's i honest to god think that's what keeps her going is those three babies because they're all three dj made over yeah it's like having part of him with her it is i mean they're they're so much like dj when he was that age Now, what I'd like to do, uh, Amanda, if you're uh, willing, 
is is these things that you're you're planning you're having the having the works uh come to fruition and and are made public or whatever or part of the public record um I'd like to have you come back on and do a follow up because uh, a, a lot of the members of the Transparency Project, I'm assuming a lot of the listeners to this uh, show, uh, are are going through, you know, somewhat similar situations to yours. And anything we can do to help each other in the way yes, of information. I'm, I'm all for that. I, I've, like I said from the beginning, I don't want to be just a voice for my brother. I want to be a voice for everyone. And you have some other plans. Are you going to be starting a, a radio show? Uh, no, I haven't had anything said about that. Well, I think it might be uh, uh, another possibility uh, because this show, the Transparency Project show, and and others uh, that are out there to to help keep the uh the stories live obviously uh, if if they just go away if if we as uh, collectively allow them to go away they're never going to get solved or resolved i don't like to use the word closure because i've been yes, told in own certain never terms gonna... by some families <laughs> yeah you'll never get i prefer closure. resolution yeah. right yeah i think that's I think what that's, that's a better what word. i say i, I I say that uh, I say that a lot that we would like to get some form of closure because it's never going to be closure. There's right. always unanswered questions that we would have, you know, and everything that would never give us the closure we needed. But it would be some form of closure if we could get justice. Yeah, and it's it's justice not only for for DJ and and the family, but. I, I think all of us win when when somebody I want to say beats the system um, yes. or is able to successfully deal with the system. Uh, that's a victory for everybody, I believe. Uh, you know, it, it isn't just limited to that specific family or case. I, I think I it's uh, something we can all celebrate. So um, anyway, back to the the idea of. Uh, I, I know that you appear on, on various programs of this one, and I know you've been in touch with the media quite a bit. So I, I think you'd be a natural as a host. I've had a lot of people tell me that I needed to do bigger things, and I, I would love to, but not right now. Right now my main focus is on on my brother's case and on helping other people with their cases as much as I can. But yes. I'm actually, I, I actually want to go back to school for forensics to help people in this situation. I wanted to do it before my brother was killed. I never knew that it <clears throat> it may help. It I would have had to. I never knew that I would have needed it for my own brother's murder, if that makes sense. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, it does. It, it's uh, kind of an ironic thing you know that that you were already interested in that and then it turns out uh, you would like to I needed maybe it, end but, up uh, yeah but they would have just told me it was a conflict of interest if I had my 
you know, bachelor's degree or master's degree in anything, they would have just told me it was a conflict of interest because I know how this county is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, uh, and, you know, uh, you and some of the other Transparency Project members who are going through these things uh, say the same thing, that you're not going to go away, you're not going to back off, and you're going to keep that's what they want us to do. That, yeah, that's what they want us to do. They hope that they'll, you know, blow us off long enough that we'll just give up. And they win. They win. And then you have, exactly. you know, a murderer still out here to kill someone else. And it, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. I wouldn't even wish this on the person that killed my brother. I wouldn't wish this pain on anybody. No, and. Well, it's. I admire you and all of those like you that that have the, you know, some people just don't have the stamina and the strength to to keep at it. Uh, it's hard, you know. And there's, yeah, rejection after rejection, disappointment after disappointment, and, and that's why uh, the, the anthology we're putting together, uh, where people are going to tell their case stories and what it's been like from the survivor's aspect. In fact, if I may plug the book a little bit, it's uh, title's going to, to be Survivors, the Forgotten Victims of Murder and Suspicious Death. Because right. you you hear about the victim to some degree, generally unless it's a celebrity or some bizarre circumstance, it's a local you know, a local interest thing. You, the family, your family members may be interviewed initially, then the interest kind of drops off until there's an arrest or a trial. But those survivors that have to deal with the system and have to try to keep the stories alive uh, and, and, and try to uh, get records and, and try to get the police or the district attorney or or whoever it is in their particular area that they need to convince that that more needs to be done uh, because no nobody thinks about them. Uh, no, you know they're forgotten. I think exactly, and and hopefully this uh, this book will, will you know be another platform for people to get their stories out there, and the more the more places, the more. TV, radio uh, uh, appearances, and, and something like this book, they are all methods to keep the story alive and let other people know. And, you know, it, it's uh, thankfully, w- when you think of the overall population, it's a very small percentage that have to deal with, with situations like yours. Uh, and most of them don't, until it happens to them, they don't think about it. That's all, exactly, all of a sudden, there it is, the knock on the door. Yes, the, that's exactly my argument since this has happened, that nobody cares until it hits them and personally, you know, until it hits close to home. And it can happen at any time is what the sad part is. They They act like they don't care, but it can happen to them at any time. We didn't ask for this. Egg. No. Uh, suddenly you just get it. Uh, it it right. just happens. Uh, uh, 
so you uh, you will keep in contact uh yes. as far as these things you have going on and, and and let us know because I do want to do a follow up with you uh you know at of the course. appropriate time when when you can do it. Uh now if people have uh, suggestions or have questions or want to contact you what is the best method for them to reach you? They can reach me on Facebook at Justice for DJ. They can reach me on Twitter at Justice for DJ 88. And we also have a website for DJ that is www.justiceforDJ.com. So any of those three methods, uh, uh, they can get to you with their comment or question or whatever, uh, whatever they yeah. have. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap it up here. Amanda, thank you so much for sharing DJ's story with us, and I'm looking forward to uh, to doing a follow-up on this, and hopefully you'll have some uh, success or successes to report and can, can educate uh, our audience. Uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Well, and, thank you for having me. Uh, well, you're welcome, and... and all I can say is you're doing the right thing and uh, I wish you the best of luck for you know for the future here thank you Danny and you have a good day as well thank you now our next broadcast will be on June 12th and we'll talk about the deaths of Ronnie and Don Anderson and I hope you'll join us then bye bye <laughs>